Welcome to another episode of the Climbing Hinge Podcast. You must become the fox. In this case, the dead fox. We're going to get into just what that means uh, on this podcast, but by the dead fox, of course, it's a metaphor. We really don't want you to become dead, of course. We want you to be very successful in your endeavors. That's what this podcast is all about. Let's just go through the story of why the fox becomes dead. Fox is a red fox is a cunning and elusive animal was revered by the Greeks because they believed that the red fox was full of metis, cunning intelligence, deception, flair, forethought, subtlety. And one way that the red fox would hunt uh, would be something like this. Fox sees a bird in the sky, no less, a carrion, a vulture, flying above and wants to make it a meal. Rather difficult because, of course, the fox can't fly despite all the skills that it has. So, in its mind, it comes up with a cunning plan and says, if that vulture thinks I'm dead, because I know, I know what vultures want, they want to eat a dead meal, but if I think I'm dead, I can get it to come down out of the sky and have a meal. So the, the red fox goes up on the hillside, he lays down, he slows his heart rate down, his breath. He's very patient and disciplined, along with his cunning intelligence. And he waits, and he waits, and sooner or later, the vulture, looking down, thinks that fox has died. Once that vulture feels it's safe enough to approach the fox, he comes down, lands next to it, starts walking up to it like it's gonna take a peck out of it. Fox swoops its head around, grabs the vulture by the neck, kills it, and has a meal. And that's exactly what we want you to be able to learn, that skill of the red fox. And not to kill like that. It's a metaphor, of course. Um, but to have that kind of subtlety, forethought, wisdom, flair, shadow, and nuance, cunning thinking, to be successful in your endeavors. And what we're going to do on this episode of the podcast is we're just going to give a little bit of background on, on the fox's cunning intelligence, the metis, um, as it was called in ancient Greece, what that is. Then what we're going to do is go into the, the science of this, the physiological, the the things that happen within the body of the female after a breakup, there's specific things that happen that make it very difficult to approach the target directly if you want her back. We're going to go through what those three reasons are. Then what we're going to do is walk through some of the um, innate behaviors of females and the feminine to understand why it is important to have these skills of the fox to be indirect, to be shadow, nuance, subtlety, flair, to have a cunning mind. Then what we're going to do is just get into a few things about why there are some guys don't like to 
do this. They think it's quote unquote playing games. We're gonna get into that and the, the answers to that. Then we're gonna go into two parts, becoming the fox part one, becoming the fox part two, and go through some examples of what that means. So in ancient Greece, the, the Greeks, the Spartans, they revered the red fox, the octopus, a lot of animals, because they believed these animals were endowed with metis. And metis is a word for it's cunning intelligence. That's kind of what it means in ancient Greece. But what is metis? Uh, it's defined as a body of mental attitudes and intellectual thought that combines flair, wisdom, forethought, subtlety of mind, deception, resourcefulness, vigilance, and opportunism. And of course, that red fox, when he was playing dead, he had forethought, subtlety of mind. He surely was deceptive. He was resourceful. He was being vigilant and he was opportunistic to get his meal. And cunning intelligence medicine, it's applied to situations that are shifting and transient, disconcerting, uncomfortable, ambiguous, kind of unknowns and confusing. Does that sound familiar? That certainly sounds like the feminine, doesn't it? Situations that don't lend themselves to precise measurement or rigorous logic for most people. And that's why we want to have these skills of metis, cunning intelligence. We want to apply it to situations that are like that, transient, shifting, ambiguous, shadow and unknown. So that's what metis is, that's what cunning intelligence uh, is. And it was revered by the ancient Greeks uh, widely throughout Greece and Spartans uh, very much as well. All right, so let's go into the scientific basis, why it is, why you want to have these skills, why it is so hard in many cases, especially after a breakup, to approach your partner directly to try to get them back by, I want to take them on a date, or I want to tell them, I'm going to fight for you, I'm, I want us to be together. The reasons, the scientific reasons, physiological, the things that happen, that why you cannot do that, as well as the innate female feminine behaviors that make being indirect like the red fox so important. All right, so typically after a breakup, there's things that happen. I'm, I'm talking about a severe breakup, not you know, you've been dating for a few months, you had a little fight and you broke up and you sent her flowers. This is after a severe breakup, you've been dating a while and things have been going downhill and it's been over and over and over and though you're far, finally your partner says i can't do this anymore um so there's a number of things that happen in that situation number one we will typically have something what's called cognitive dissonance that is a conflict between beliefs ideals and actions and we have a podcast on this if you want to dig into it deeper but basically it goes like this your partner says i can't be with you i want a divorce and so if they're behaving, their actions are in conflict with that, say you act, ask them on a date and they go with you, it will activate their dissonance. And actually it activates a part of the brain associated with pain, so it's painful. And once you activate their dissonance, they're alarmed, they wake up, they're, they're, it causes pain, and they take action to get out of the situation. We do not want to activate their cognitive dissonance. That's a reason you can't approach the target directly, like the red fox. Secondly, a lot of times there's fear and trauma after a breakup. The partner may have been traumatized or fear, fearful because of things that have happened. 
if you try to approach her directly, trying to get her to go on dates or you're too direct in the way you're talking to her, it can trigger her fear and the trauma, which will cause them to retreat, hide, very animalistic behavior, hiding behavior. You see that if you see a guy that's uh, texting a woman too much after she's wanted to break up with him, or if he's giving her too much energy after a breakup, it could trigger her fear and then she goes into hiding further. That's the second reason. Third one, it has to do with acceptance. If your partner has told you, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce, and you're not accepting of what they are saying, you don't acknowledge and, and hear this, causes anger and frustration, makes them feel a lack of respect, makes them feel small. We have a whole podcast on acceptance as well, we talk about it. And so if your partner is saying they can't be with you, and you're, you're trying to say, well, I'm gonna be direct, I'm gonna tell her what I want, it causes her to have frustration and anger with you. He's not hearing me. He's never heard me. You think that's gonna help you get her back? It is not. Those three reasons alone, which are all very, very powerful, um, and if any of you guys out there know from using acceptance, it's a magic pill, it's very powerful. You cannot be direct in getting your partner back. I've never, never seen it to, to happen. In cases where things weren't that bad, yes. In severe cases, no. So cognitive dissonance, fear, trauma, and acceptance are three reasons why you will be stimmied if you try to get your partner back in direct ways, like I'm gonna fight for you and all that kind of stuff. Forget about it, you must become the fox. Secondly, let's go through some of the feminine um, female behaviors, the innate instincts of, of women. Number one, women are much more conflict avoidant than men. They're consensus builders by nature. They want harmony. That's part of the feminine. They lie to avoid conflict. They do a lot of things. And so if you're approaching them directly and causing conflict, guess what? Conflict leads to them feeling exposed, angered, ridiculed, things like that, scared. It's not going to be helpful. Women have a lower tolerance for fearful situations. So if you're, again, if you're doing things that are social triggers to activate their fear over texting them when they've broken up with you, doing things that they feel are inappropriate, spying, whatever to find out what she's doing, asking if she's seen other people, all that kind of stuff will cause you to be a failure in your endeavor. Exposing them on their lies, a lot of guys like to do that. I'm gonna call her out. Causes them to feel embarrassment, shame, ridicule, anger, paranoia. How does he know I'm lying? Causes paranoia. Causes them to feel that they can't trust you. Causes them to be afraid and fearful. And then they go into hiding further. Hiding behavior, that is. Women are they sense things more easily than men, body language, body cues, things like that. So if they sense that your motivations are to get them back when they told you they don't want to and they sense it through your energy, too much texting, too much of your presence, causes them to get defensive, to hide, to be reactive, aggressive. None of those things are gonna help you get your partner back. Um, in terms of being direct with them, calling out their lies, 
activating their fears, engaging in conflict, they're all going to make things worse. Trust me, a lot of guys out there that have tried these things, if you've tried them, you know it will cause failure. Again, you must become the red fox, the dead red fox. All right, so let's just go into, um, some guys have an issue with this. I don't want to play games and I don't, I don't, I just want to be direct and just tell her what I want. Well, we talked about the reasons that's not going to work. You can either accept it or not. Um, mating and flirting. And we talked about this on the flirting podcast. Flirting is vague, it's subtle, it's shadow, it's nuance, it's indirect, unsaid, said things. And it's designed that way by nature for a reason so that females, if the situation starts to feel uncomfortable, they can more easily back out because things haven't been said directly. So you have to, if you want to master flirting, flirting is a, a game of nature. Mating is. We talked about that on the wolves, with the wolf spiders on the Sexual Desire podcast. The, the successful wolf spider is very smart and cunning. He doesn't go in directly and say, I want you. He goes in very carefully and cautiously, confidently with poise. Because remember, the female wolf spider, much bigger than the male, if he goes in too aggressively, he gets killed. The wolf spider that goes in and, and is fearful and runs from her, gets killed. The wolf spider that goes in confidently, slowly with poise, he's successful because the female approaches him carefully and then when she gets close, he gives her a dead fly which she, she eats and then he copulates with her and he successfully mates. Flirting and mating are all about the game. It's called the game of life in nature. The greatest generals the most ruthless armies in history use deception, flair, subtlety, all the things that the Red Fox does to be successful in war. The Greeks, the Trojan War, the Trojan Horse is all about deception. The Trojans tried to direct frontal assault the walls of Troy for 10 years and were unsuccessful until Odysseus came up with the idea and he said, you know what? The, the, the Trojans, they, they worship the horse. If we can think that we've left, we, we sent, put our ships out to sea, and then we deliver them this magical large wooden horse, they'll bring it into the walls of Troy, and they'll think it's a gift from the gods, and we'll have guys, Greek soldiers in there. And that's just what happened. And then the, once they had the Trojan horse behind the walls at nighttime, the Greek soldiers snuck out, opened the doors, the rest is history. The Greeks, well, they decimated the Trojans. The Spartans, they revered cunning intelligence and medicine. It was all built in all throughout the Aguage, the academy. One of the things that the Spartans would do in the academy, the Aguage, they would underfeed these poor Spartan boys to make them hungry. They did this on purpose. They wanted the boys to be hungry so that they would steal food. And this was never said directly. Too. It was just part of, oh, it was built into the academy. And then if the students went out and stole food, if they got caught, they would get lashed. If they were successful, if they were shadow and cunning like the red fox, they would get food and not get lashed. Spartans revered this cunning intelligence, and, and so should you. All right, let's get into 
becoming the fox part one. We must become dead. And we're gonna deal with the three things we talked about here after a breakup. Cognitive dissonance, fear, trauma, and acceptance. The first thing that we want to do is eliminate language that says you want them back. I'm going to fight for you, but we should go on a date. We should go on a trip somewhere and re see if we can re-spark some things. All those things, of course, are going to activate her anger and frustration because you're not accepting what I'm saying. So eliminate those words. Secondly, we must uh, demonstrate acceptance through our language and our behavior. My language says, I, hey, I know what, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate and respect it. And the fact that you can tell me these things makes, it makes you a very special woman. I will be supportive of your decision. I love you and I, I would want us to be together, but I respect you and support you because I do love you. So I'm accepting of her. That makes her feel good. And he's finally listening to me. He's finally hearing me after all these years. It creates a positive emotion in her towards you. Part of the process of reunion and getting her back. The second part of acceptance comes through your behaviors. You must behave in a way that demonstrates to her you have accepted it is over. That means your, your energy for her must be balanced with hers. You can't be texting her a lot more than she's texting you has to be balanced and the energy has to be balanced. You can't want to be in her presence all the time. She'll feel like he hasn't really accepted things. So you must be very aware of the energy that you're giving her. If your energy is three times what she's giving you, guess what? She's gonna feel that you haven't really accepted things. So you must monitor, engage the energy you give her via text, via phone, via in-person conversations, your body language when you're around her, has to all demonstrate that you accept how she feels, but at the same time, you're free and loving towards her. Free and loving is a component of all these things. Secondly, we don't wanna activate cognitive dissonance. We wanna make things very kind of informal-like. If we're hanging out and doing things together, we're just hanging out and doing things together. Had this example, it's on the Cognitive Dissonance podcast where a guy and a girl were hanging out and every time before they would start, they would hang out, she would say, we're just friends, right? So she's checking and he said, yeah, sure. Didn't activate her dissonance. They ended up reuniting. So you wanna make things very informal. Don't call things dates. Don't make things date-like. Just hang out and rebuild that way. Again, being free and loving in the process. Next, third, we don't want to activate the fear and trauma. If there's specific things that were done in the relationship that might activate her fear and trauma, you have to stay away from them. Specific words, language, behaviors. Again, make things informal. All throughout this behavior, I am a free and loving person. Free means I'm independent. I don't need her, but I, she compliments me. I compliment her. I'm not manipulated or controlled. She can see and feel that. At the same time, I'm accepting of how she feels. I respect her, acknowledge her, support her in her decisions. All those things make her what? Make her feel emotionally better about me. He accepts me. He supports me. He respects me. 
Those drive positive emotional uh, feelings within your partner. Free and loving all throughout these things while I'm demonstrating acceptance, not activating her dissonance, not activating fear trauma, making sure my energy is equal and not, not giving her excess energy helps to demonstrate that I am dead to the dead red fox. Not really dead, it's plain dead as part of my approach to reunion and getting her back. Everybody we've worked with that has been successful on these journeys has done that approach. People that try to be direct or say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be direct, I'm not playing these games. They lose. So you can just either accept that or not. That's becoming the fox part one, the dead red fox. All right, let's talk about becoming the fox part two. Now this is, uh, has to do with situations within when things are interacting with your partner. You could be together or you could still be getting your back. These things still go on. And there's two kind of things that generally happen in relationships with women. And we're gonna talk about, this is when you really need to be focused on becoming the fox. Well, women lie, well, so do guys, but women lie. And one of the reasons they lie is to avoid conflict. They also lie because they don't wanna hurt you. So they might create an excuse if, if you were gonna hang out and she changed her mind, she says, well, I have to work late. And she, she didn't really have to work late. But you think, and you think she's lying. Do not confront her. If you're confronting her causes embarrassment, shame, ridicule, anger, paranoia, like you're, how do you know I'm not working? does not help you, it makes things more negative. So women lie, we're gonna talk about that. And women like to punish men, we have a podcast on punishment. If you've done things that made her hurt and angry in the past, cheated on her, treated her bad, disrespected her, there's a good chance she wants to punish you. Punishing somebody else for unfair treatment feels good. It activates a known area in the brain that's a reward center. So them punishing you feels good. If you want them to forgive you and get the anger out of their body, you must be able to accept the punishment. If you don't, say she's doing something to punish you and you complain, you know what she thinks and feels? Oh my God. He, can't even, he can dish it out, he can't take it? What a baby. She's not gonna forgive you. Now it depends on what's going on, but in general, when women lie, or women are doing things to punish you, we want to flow with it. Just like the red fox flows with nature, just like we flow with them in flirting, we flow with the energy, turn it around to create the trap. All right, so let's go through some examples. This is one on lying. A guy and a girl, they have been dating, they've went on two or three dates. They haven't been intimate together, but you know, they've went out to dinners and so forth. Um, there's a uh, an event coming up where it involves an overnight and so he talks to her about it says he has tickets it's a, it's a show and he's gonna get a hotel room and she says god I'd love to go and so she's she's excited about it and down with it and then she thinks about it uh, a day or so later and she knows well this would involve us spending the night together that hasn't happened and not like this and I'm getting anxious about it I don't feel good I don't want to tell him no so a day later or two days later, she says, hey, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I don't feel good. I'm getting sick and I just don't think I'm gonna be able to go. And the guy suspects that she's fibbing or lying. 
So there's two ways, there's a couple ways to handle this. Number one, you can confront her and say, hey, if you don't want to go, just, just tell me. It's not that big a deal. See what he's doing? Exposing her. It makes her feel uncomfortable, makes her feel angry, ridiculed. He doesn't believe me. Oh my God, why is he making such a big deal about this? Why can't he just listen to me? It does not help you. It makes things worse. It makes them feel pressured. It makes them feel like you're, you're forcing the situation. You're not flowing with nature like the red fox. So in this case, what you should do is be supportive of them. Assume what she's telling you is the truth. Say, hey, you know what? If you're not feeling good, that's, you shouldn't go. I don't want you to you know, be out partying and stuff if you've got the flu. Just stay home and you know, if you start to feel better, you can always go. So that's what he does. He tells her he's supportive of her. He acknowledges her. And after the conversation, she feels good about it. Wow, he's supportive of me. Makes her feel safe. Makes her trust him more. He's not pressuring her and exposing her. He's looking after her best interest, part of the component of trust, effective trust. She likes that. So then a day or two later, she says, you know what? I'm, feeling, I'm, think, I'm starting to feel better now. I think I, I might be able to go. And as a matter of fact, she ends up going. They spend the night together. They're intimate, and it's a success. And by the way, that really happened. That's a true case. And that's exactly what the guy did. He, he flowed with her story as if it was true, and it made it a success. In general, if they flow with their stories, whatever they may be, unless, and the caveat is, unless it's something that le would lead to somebody being hurt or somebody's health being impacted, kids or something like that, then you have to take a different course of action. Most of the time, it's not. These are just you know, white lies or whatever to make, get them out of situations where they don't feel uncomfortable, they don't want conflict, they don't want to hurt you. Don't expose it. Flow with it like the red fox. Let's go through an example on punishment. And this also involves a line. So uh, I, me and my wife, we've been married several, five, 10 years. We got two kids and I was, I've done a lot of things in the relationship to cause her to feel disrespected and anger toward me. It's getting to a point where things are kind of rough and I can feel it like she probably wants a separation or divorce. And the day comes uh, where she wants, she, she wants to go somewhere, but she knows I have to leave the house at six to be somewhere. It's important. However, I can't leave until she gets home because we have two kids, right? So she leaves the afternoon. I tell her, hey, you know, if you can be home by five, I have to leave at six. She goes, yeah, of course, that'd be great. So the afternoon's going by. I haven't heard from her or anything. And it's getting close to five and she haven't heard anything from her and I say hey I text her where are you I don't get a response from her and then I get a response 30 minutes later now it's quarter after five and she's supposed to be home at five and she says hey I'm sorry and, and she it sounds the whole situation sounds kind of sketchy right she says I'm sorry traffic's really bad and um, I'm kind of thinking that she's doing this on purpose just because the whole situation is sketchy. She hasn't been communicating. She's in and out. And so there's, again, I can handle it one of two ways. I could say, hey, you know I have to be leave at six. What's going on here? Like, why are you doing this to me? And then she's just gonna become indignant and say, oh my God, she's got, traffic is bad. Why are you acting like this? I'll be home as fast as I can. And it's gonna cause her to be irate, anger, and indignant with me, of course. We know she's playing a game to punish me. 
And so in this case, if I complain, she's still going to be late. It really doesn't matter. I'm still going to be late. She's going to be late. If I complain, it causes her to be anger, causes her to become indignant, causes her to think, well, he doesn't really care about me anyways. All he cares about is being on time to his event. So in this case, I go along with her story again. I flow with her story as if it's true. Because I, I don't really know anyways that it's not to accuse her of that. And so instead of accusing her and getting in her face, I say, hey, you know what? Don't rush. It's okay. I can be late to this event. The most important thing is your safety. And then she hears that. And she says, whoa, he's, I'm punishing him and he's looking out for my safety and my best interest, part of effective trust again. And it makes her feel kind of bad about what she's doing and it makes her feel better about me because I was looking out for her safety and her health first rather than me and my own selfish needs and being late. I've reversed the trap back on her and it helps me to rebuild the relationship. So we can see in these examples of lies and punishment in general the default move is to flow with their story. Trying to check up on their story and call them out, find out if they're lying, causes anger, pain, paranoia that he's spying on me. All bad things, all negative emotions and reinforces the fact that she's punishing me in the first place, right? So, in general, we go with the story and we flow and we become the red fox. Again, through cunning intelligence, just like the red fox does, we reverse the trap back on them and we increase their positive emotions and what they're feeling for us. That's what becoming the red fox is all about in part one and part two. Certainly, there's more levels to this and understanding. But that's how it works. So we must become the red fox. And in this case, to become the red fox and successful in reuniting or rebuilding your relationship with your partner, it is an essential part of being successful. Just like being a captain of the ship, we must also be resourceful, have flair, wisdom, forethought, subtlety, vagueness, and shadow, and become the red fox. Thank you for once again for listening to this episode of the Climbing Henge Podcast. <laughs>